Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent guests on JM in the AM. And we start with a Mazel Tov to Rabbi Kenneth Brander. Rabbi Brander has uh, already completed his Israel investiture as Rosh Hashiva and Dean of Artura Stone. And uh, this coming Wednesday night, tomorrow evening, will be the uh, investiture in New York City at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, um, closing out uh, this international celebration for Artura Stone. Uh, my conversation with Rabbi Kenny Brander took place last week. Here it is for you on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, it's no secret that one of my favorite guests is Rabbi uh, Kenneth Brander, and Rabbi Brander is going to join us in a second. I, I spoke to Rabbi Brander a moment ago, obviously, and, and just making sure that he's uh, on the line, etc. And And he said such an important thing to me. Uh, we obviously, with the news from Israel today, obviously we have to focus on the on the uh, the pain and the agony that the collective Jewish heart is feeling as another uh, two of our brethren have been uh, murdered by the enemy. And then at the same time, especially as Rai Brander said, since he's now actually living in Israel, of course, at the same time, there is so much positive, there is so much energy, there are so many wonderful things going on in the Holy Land, and we have a responsibility, at least I think so, we have a responsibility to constantly remind everybody of those amazing things. Our friends at Oratora Stone, as you know, they are transforming Jewish life, learning, and leadership worldwide. They are energized by the leadership of their new president and Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Dr. Kenny Brander. They're building on the unique vision of their incredible founder, Chancellor Emeritus and Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Riskin, fueled by a unique combination of educational institutions, women's empowerment programs, outreach initiatives, leadership development, and social action projects impacting upon Israeli and world society. Rabbi Kenny Brander, Rosh Hashiva, President, Oratora Stone, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's always uh, good uh, to be on the uh to, to be on the radio with you and to be able to uh, hear you all over the world. Uh, I get to hear you every single day, thank God. <laughs> and uh, it's a piece of, you know, it's a piece of home for me, even the Chutzlaretz. <laughs> Not home. So I you appre- just feel that way. I appreciate that. If we serve as a connection to the old country for you. Yes, yes you do. You do. You do. <laughs> That's very satisfying. Um, what you said to me is so profound. We, we have to spend a minute. Uh, you know, you always have a unique perspective. Um, the, the terrible news, the terrible news, the, the funeral yesterday of Amiyad Yisrael, the, the news from this morning, of course, of our brethren, and all these things are, 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 are so depressing, obviously, and, and do affect the collective Jewish heart around the world. And at the same time, as you just mentioned to me a few minutes ago, there's so much to be positive about and so much energy that you are seeing, literally seeing, in front of you as you live now in Israel and are involved with all the students of our Torah Stone. It, it, I'm sure you agree that sometimes it's a difficult balance to maintain. Of course it's a difficult balance to maintain, but uh, being Jewish uh, is a difficult balance to maintain. And I think that you're right on the point, and that is, first of all, we have to recognize the tragic loss. It's not just two people. It's their siblings, it's their parents, it's their relatives, it's their friends. This doesn't just shatter two people's lives. It shatters communities' lives. There's reverberations you know, all over Medina Yisrael. Um, 
it, it just affects the entire the entire community. Yeah. It's not just an Orthodox community. It's not just a religious Zionist community. It doesn't matter where they live in Tel Aviv, Ashdod, Renana, Golan, Galil, or Elat. It, it affects all of us. I think that's the first point. The second point, you know, is just as a personal reflection. You know, I, I've seen with my own students, you know, uh, having to speak to students right after uh, Ari Fold, Zatzal, uh, was murdered um, because his son and his family is part of the Ortara Stone family. Um, you know, you just see it, it, it's painful, it hurts, uh, and uh, all the high schools, in particular Ortara Stone, has a whole infrastructure on how to deal with tragedies of this nature. Uh, support systems, but Nahum that that night going to his uh, Ari Lavaya, I mean there were thousands and thousands of people who came because they didn't know him, but they just needed to be there. And it was if a funeral can be an uplifting experience, it was one of the most uplifting experiences, you know, for me personally. And I see that not only a resilience. But I think it's more than that. There's just a commitment uh, by my students, by my colleagues, just to make sure that we continue to live the everyday, even in times in which there are critical challenges. Right. And I could just articulate with one more example. Sure. I was walking through one of the high schools uh, called Oria. Uh, it's in the Gush area, um, and it, it serves uh, hundreds of young women an exceptional school. It's won many awards from the Israeli government. Um, and I was meeting with the principal. And the principal of the school is a woman whose father, a hundred feet from her office, just picture this, a hundred feet from her office in the Gush area, was taken captive when a, when a lone shvut fell um, after 1948, after mm-hmm. during you know when it during when war, uh, when, right. when it fell, right. and um, she w- her father was taken captive, and every single day she goes to school as the principal, as the head of school of that school, teaching children a hundred feet from where her father, uh, who was not hiding in the bunker, but was one of those soldiers who was protecting those hiding in the bunker, was taken captive, and she picked this school to be the head of school of to make the statement that Netzach Yisrael lo yishaker, that the eternality of the Jewish people continues to thrive, and Am Yisrael chai. And I think even when we mourn the losses of s- such tragic losses, I'm sure that the Rav of Ofra, who is becoming slowly a friend and a mentor of mine, Rav Gisser, will tell you, we have a responsibility to still light the lights and, and and dispel the darkness around the world because that's what Jews do. You know, and this is what, and look, you, you're very familiar with the American mentality. This is what sometimes is so hard for us to believe, the strength and resilience of how the families immediately, and in the Fold case, we saw it in front of our eyes, immediately bounce back, immediately start discussing the Netzach Israel topic and it, it, it's just, for us, it is sometimes so hard to believe that they're able to have the strength and resilience to do that. And as you just alluded to, no doubt the same heroes and the same young pioneers and their families in Ofra and that area are going to bounce back in the very same way. Please, God, and yes, I think it's so. Unbelievable. Rabbi Kenny Brand is with us. 
Uh, I was looking at this amazing and incredible comprehensive chart of Artura Stone and what what they have been doing and continue to do around the state of Israel. Uh, I, I wonder if going into this new position, you even realized the type of impact your organization and educational effort is having uh, all around the state of Israel and the world. We could just start for a moment with the state of Israel. I didn't realize that IDF bases are um, are um, uh, being uh, uh, enhanced uh, by soldiers who are you know part of your educational system. That OTS's educational campuses are as many as there are around the uh, around the country. Uh, I mean, what could you tell us about the vast growth and the continued growth of Artur Stone just in Israel for a moment? Well, again, I'm I'm also learning on a regular basis, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think if we just focus on the IDF piece, you know, we have uh, in our Yeshivat has there we have 140 men who are entering the army on a regular basis. 33 percent of them will serve in elite uh, commando units. Uh, these are young men uh, who are just committed to Torah study as well as in service, and they make a difference. And they make a difference every single day, both in the Beit Midrash as well as, um, you know, uh, you know, hopefully safely on, you know, in the field. Yep. But they make a difference, and they're willing to uh, sacrifice everything uh, for the future of the Jewish people, not just in Israel, around the world. But a new program that we've been involved in for many years is the fact that we have 350 women serving in one of four units, either in education or they're serving in commando units, which means that they're responsible to be the navigational instructors for commandos. They teach commander, commandos um, how to find their way home. Women always teach people how to find their way home, <laughs> but they're teaching it in a new way. Right. And that is taking commandos, no maps, no nothing, drop them somewhere, and these women teach them how to find their way home. We have a group of women who are a part of Shimona Matayim. It's an elite uh, unit that deals in intelligence. And uh, we have a group that also works in the Air Force. And I think that, for me, the most proud component is the fact that these women are also, 34 of them, are now serving as officers in the IDF. And most of them, Nahum, when they complete their officers' training, also make a seum on a masechta in Shas. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I met a, a woman who's a major, who's, a re, who's married to a rabbi, and she's a major in the army. She has finished 17 masechtas. And she is not, you know, you can't take a picture with her in uniform because she's in an elite unit. Um, we had two women who received awards uh, in the president, at the president's house, and Yom Atzma'ut, they give out awards. Their names could not be mentioned because they're in elite units. Only the schools that they went to uh, could be mentioned. Um, and the svarim that Orto Stone are creating for these women, so it fits uh, in the various pockets in uh, in their uniforms, be it the dress uniform that they wear, literally the uh, the uniforms that they've made with dresses for these women, or the pants uniforms that they need to wear, wear at times, and they fit into their pockets so that when they have time off between serving, they can sit and learn Torah. It's just you know, for 2,000 years, the Jewish people have not made svarim to be able to fit into army uniforms. <laughs> That's true. And Stone, uh, you know, is having the privilege to do that. 
And, and then we're in, engaging, thanks, and with the help of the Israeli government, we're engaging in Jewish community centers, what's known as Matnasim, all over Israel. At the present time, we have 48 uh, staff people working in 188 community centers. Last year, we interacted with 305 Israelis uh, through these community centers. This year, please God, we will hit 400,000. We've already just an, over the Chagim through uh, Shofar in the Park, explanatory Yom Kippur services, um, a program that we ran over Hanukkah. Um, one program hit 35,000. Another program hit 45,000. Another program for Hanukkah, we hit 10,000. Just engaging people, not forcing them to become religious, right. but giving them the opportunity to explore the thirst that you feel in Israel, or all over the Jewish world for that matter, for people to come home and without indoctrination and coercion to find their spiritual wings. It is amazing. Rabbi Kenny Brender is with us. Nearly 1,000 people were in attendance last month on November the 14th at the Jerusalem Theater in Israel for the Israeli installation of Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander as president and Rosh Hashiva of our Torah Stone. Uh, he is now in the midst, and they at Artur Stone are in the midst of this investiture period, which will culminate in the festive investiture dinner in New York City coming up on Wednesday, December the 19th. We'll talk more about that dinner in a moment. Rabbi Brander, what was the moment for you last month at the Jerusalem Theater? Uh, I think there were many moments. First of all, the focus really was on the institution and the and the fact that we are really an international Torah institution, um, engaging Jews in a orthodoxy that is contemporary and relevant. Um, I think that for me personally, Rabbi Riskin, who is one of the major leaders of this generation of the Jewish community, how humble and how unbelievably, in such a caring and menschlich way, He's been involved with this transition, and he's orchestrated this transition. Um, and yeah, talk about balance. Transitions need good balance. He's been, he's, Rabbi Riskin has just been nothing less than unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I could see everybody that. warned me, you know, is this going to work? How can it work? Yada, yada, yada. But I have to tell you something. He has just been exceptional. Teaching, writing, uh, helping with the fundraising at every request. Yeah, we meet, we speak almost daily, sometimes multiple times a day, always there with guidance, but yet giving me the space uh, to run the organization and, and to take it, you know, to build the second floor on the wonderful superstructure that Rabbi Riskin has created. These are his institutions, and right. my goal was to build on his legacy, but he's done so with such menschlichkeit, you couldn't have choreographed. Uh, a, a finer, uh, menschlich, uh, appropriate way that he has uh, been engaging in this transition. And that was quite evident um, at the installation where he got appropriate recognition, and please God will continue to get it for what he has accomplished. And uh, in, in very uh, public ways, I made it clear about this transition and how excited he is about it. And I think for me, the most beautiful piece, I mean, it was really choreographed so beautifully by the people who put it together. I really had very little to do with it, almost nothing other than the speech I gave, um, really nothing. Um, but just the students, the hundreds of students that came from the Golan, 
from the south to the north who came to participate as well as various, obviously a thousand people. But the dancing at the end uh, with all the students, with Reverend Riskin and myself, it was just, it was magical. Must have been. Hard to explain, but it was magical. Must have been amazing. On Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, December the 19th at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, Battery Place right here in New York City, with a reception beginning at 6.15 and the dinner starting at 7.30, it will be the, uh, I guess we could say, the American or North American or, or diaspora investiture of uh, Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander. He will, um, he will have the, the, the investiture as president of Rosh Hashiva will take place. Rabbi Riskin will confer the mantle of leadership Upon him, Maurice and Marion Spanbach will uh, will uh, receive the Lifetime Achievement Award. And the keynote speaker that night, this coming Wednesday, will be the senior political contributor for NBC News, and that's Brett Stevens. And all of this, of course, in support of Oratora Stone. We recommend you go to the website, get your reservations in as soon as possible uh, by going to ots.org.il, ots.org.il. You will see in their news section all the information about the dinner rabbi brander uh, what could you tell our listeners about uh, this upcoming wednesday night get together at the museum of jewish heritage and why it would be inspiring for them to attend well i think the first thing is to celebrate really the legacy of rabbi riskin which we will continue to do i mean here is a man and here is an organization that is uh, transforming thousands tens of thousands of people's lives in the diaspora there isn't a community um, in North America and in Europe that hasn't been touched by students, by rabbeim, by women who are playing the role of a rabbanit. Um, uh, there isn't a community in the diaspora that hasn't been affected in a positive way by our students. And I think it's important for there to be a hakaratov for what Rabbi Riskin has accomplished. I mean, we have, right now, we have over 200 and... 25 rabbis and rabbitsons serving in communities from Teaneck to Tbilisi from all over the world. And it's important to recognize that. Uh, in addition to that, we are the, and this is an unfortunate challenge, but one that we need to take on, we are the largest organization dealing with Agunot internationally. Wow. So right now, as we speak, we're dealing with 155 Aguna cases. Outside of Israel as well? Outside of Israel. We have, uh, it's an international reach. We have lawyers all over the world, private detectives all over the world, social workers. Wow. We work with the Rabbanut. We are the only organization that the Rabbanut has allowed into their courts where we have women who are trained in the laws of Jewish divorce, and they serve as the toenet, they serve as the legal uh, representatives of women who are being held hostage. And we are aggressively working on this. That needs to be recognized. It is, we have the largest organization that, that, that deals with that, called Yadli Isha. Um, oh, no. we, have, we have thousands of alumni all over the world we have, we are working and making a difference, not just within Israel, uh, but whether it's through our conversion institutions throughout the world, uh, whether it's through our alumni, whether it's through our emissary families, through the Baron Amiel and Stras Amiel program, whether it's the work we're doing with Yadli Isha. Uh, we're making a difference to guarantee the future of the Jewish people, and, not only in Israel, but throughout the world. And by the way, I just have to, before I give the dinner information again, I, I just have to read this list 
of Strauss Amiel and Baron Amiel emissaries of Artur Stone, everybody, as we've always featured and as we've spoken about this morning, has such an impact in Israel, and the numbers outside of Israel are exactly as Rabbi Brander has described. But just to give you a perspective, <laughs> their emissaries are in Britain, U.S., Australia, Philippines, New Zealand, Lithuania, Canada, Switzerland, Argentina, Czech Republic, China, Brazil, El Salvador, Mexico, Ecuador, Colombia, Italy, Spain, Panama, Belgium, Denmark, South America, South Africa, Poland, Germany, Russia, Norway, Sweden, Austria, Turkey, Finland, and Portugal. I guess it would be impossible for you to visit all of them, Rabbi Brander. Yeah, but we're bringing them back in groups together in different parts of the world so oh, I can yeah. still see our students without having to spend my whole, uh, you know, Rabbi Riskin's title was Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, because he was always flying. <laughs> right. And he's, he's much better at it than I am. And, uh, you know, I have a, uh, a 13-year-old still at home that I'd still like to raise. So we're bringing them in different groups together. And, Nachum, I have to say, another thing that we've just started is, you know, there are wonderful seminaries for women where women can study Torah all, you know, all over Israel. Um, Madresh at Lindenbaum was the first seminary right. that was created, and now, thank God, there are so many wonderful ones, and they all need to be supported. Right. We've now, for the first time, created an honors program for women to study. We're calling it Matmi Dot Scholars, where for the first time in women's learning, there will be... Um, extra hours of learning in an enrichment program under Menachem Liebtag in the study of Tanakh or in, in the study of Gemara under Rabbanit Sally Mayer, where we've created a program we, where we have gotten support from leaders throughout Israel so that these young women who are now going to be part of our Honors Matmidot Scholars Program will be able to meet with them around their dining room tables and talk about leadership. And at the same time, these young women We'll have chavrusas with our Darkenu students, our students, our young women with special needs, the only program for diaspora Jews where young men and young women can spend a year in Israel with special needs and still enjoy the avira, the beautiful, magical air of Israel. Yeah, they're doing what their colleagues are doing, spending a year in Israel, which of course right. was impossible There's no, in the past. No right. other program like that right. so for all of these reasons. And if you can't come to the dinner... We at the same time we have an Ortora Stone Giving Day on uh, next Wednesday and Thursday, right. um, and you can go to the website ots.org.il and participate that way. Um, but the bottom line is, um, we are trying to make a difference throughout the Jewish world, and under Rabbi Riskin's unbelievable uh, leadership, we have fueled. Uh, serious educational institutions, serious opportunities for outreach initiatives, leadership development, social action, and all at the same time making sure that young men and young women can play leadership roles around the Jewish world. By the way, Rabbi Sally Mayer, as you know, is part of our October broadcast week from Israel, made quite, right. an, quite an impression, to say the well, least. Well, you know, listen, she is a modest young lady. Yeah. Uh, who has finished Shas a few times. I know, I'm sure she will be very unhappy that I, I've said that publicly. I was completely intimidated <laughs> sitting there, trust me. Yeah, don't, don't give her a bechina. You're not going to win on that one, Nahum. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I remind everybody that there's a big night coming up for our friends at Artura Stone, and you will find it fascinating and enjoyable. It's at the Museum of Jewish Heritage this coming Wednesday, December the 19th. Celebrate Rabbi Riskin's leadership, Rabbi Kenneth Brander's uh, investiture as president of Rosh Hashiva. You hear about the work they're doing. It's amazing. Uh, started back in the early 80s, and this is what it's become. How proud all of us are who've been following Rabbi Riskin 
and Ray Brander all this time. Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, Mazal Tov to Maurice and Marion Spanbach. Brett Stevens will be the keynote speaker. Always a great listen. And all you got to do is go to OTS.org.il, OTS.org.il. Get your reservations in. Enjoy the night. And as uh, Rabbi Brenda reminded us on Wednesday of next week, Wednesday and Thursday, it's Giving Day, an opportunity, whether you're at the dinner or not, to support the great work of our Torah Stone. Rabbi Brenda, I take this opportunity to wish you again a Mazel Tov. Enjoy the North American, American diaspora investiture and, uh, you. and your time here in New York and uh, continued success with our Torah Stone. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you so much. And continue your, really, your holy work bringing Jews together throughout the world. Greatly Thank appreciate you, that. Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander, one of our favorite guests. Mazal tov to him. The big uh, ceremony continues Wednesday night at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. And the incredible work continues every single day for our brethren in Israel and for our brethren around the world. Kolakavod, Jarbariskin, Rabbi Brander, and everybody at Or Torah Stone. That was my conversation with Rabbi Kenny Brander, who is the new dean in Rosh Hashiva at Ortora Stone. Next up, Donnie Menken. Donnie Menken is the um, director and producer from Hey Jude Productions. The movie is called On the Map. On the Map is a look at the 1977 incredible, miraculous victory of Israel over the Soviet Union. Then later on in the season, Israel's victory in the European Basketball World Cup. Uh, a history-changing episode in the uh, young history of the state of Israel. Donnie Menken, from our recent co- our recent conversation about the movie On the Map here on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. Yesterday, just yesterday, oh, that's not true, it wasn't yesterday, it was earlier this week, I found out about a brand new film entitled On the Map, which um, uh, which again just came to my attention this week. It is uh, a production of Hey Jude Productions, uh, led by uh, Donnie Menken, an Israeli Academy Award winner, uh, as a filmmaker. And um, we were offered to speak with Donnie and or the legendary Babe Ruth of Israel. And that's, of course, Tal Brody. So I said, let's get both on. <laughs> let's get them both on. So Donnie's with us now. Tal Brody, the legend himself, is going to join us on Monday here at JM in the AM. Uh, Donnie Menken, producer and director of the brand new film On the Map. Shalom and welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom Aleichem, Olsi Perry. How you doing? <laughs> Olsi Perry. I just told my audience that I already told you the uh, Olsi Perry Halavad story, which I'm sure I'll repeat a million more times. Anyway, this is an unbelievable documentary. It was a great idea, and I'm so, so glad that it's been produced and that it's so great. I, I'm so glad I watched it before this conversation. Uh, Tal Brody, Tal Brody, when he gets to Israel and ends up leading the Israeli Maccabi Tel Aviv team to the European Cup championship in 1977, once that game ends and they are champions of Europe and Israel is, I mean, nobody even can believe that this is happening. Uh, once that happens, uh, uh, Tal Brody makes the legendary statement that now Israel is on the map. And that is, of course, the name of the film. I mean, he could not have put it better, right? Tal Brody could not have summed it all up any better, Donnie. Yeah, in many ways, you know, what Tal Brody has said captured the heart of the nation at that time because 
Israel was post-Yom Kippur War, right. and the Russians didn't even want to play against uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv because they just didn't recognize the state of Israel. Right. And um, they felt that sport has nothing to do with politics, and if you agree or disagree with Israel, that's something else. On the sport, there are no disagreements. You just compete. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, the European forced the teams to play in a mutual site, and that's what happened. It was kind of like a miracle because it was they were the same players that beat the United States in Munich. Right. So realistically, they should have beaten Israel, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they exactly. I mean, even someone in the film says they'd be a 20-point favorite. I mean, you know, the Soviet Union should have destroyed Israel on the court that day, and of course, that's not what happened. Uh, I, I learned so many things. I mean, I remember that time. I remember that time I'm a little kid, and I remember them you know, being in the final and everywhere, the whole Jewish world. It's not just Israel. And the footage you have of the celebrations in Israel and the hundreds of fans that went either from Israel or Israelis in Europe who went to the game, just amazing. Wow. One of the things I learned, though, was Israel would never have gotten to the European Cup final if, ironically enough, Russia – the Soviet Union would not have beaten another team. It was Russia by beating a different team that ended up getting Israel into the final of the game. And doesn't it make it even more fun? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so ironic that that had to happen. So the Russian game is taking place earlier in the year, and Israel pulls off this remarkable uh, victory. And then they end up in the European Cup final. And, of course, as we know, they win by one point. And the entire country goes crazy. And I would say the entire Jewish world goes crazy. Everybody felt a, a, a validity of being, of being a Jew and being a fan of Israel because they went ahead and won that game. Now, I got to tell you, Donnie Menken's with us. I must tell you, the, the, the film is amazing and for a variety of reasons. We love speaking to Tal Brody. He's been on this show. He is a legend. And his story is incredible. But you also include so many other players who are on that team in the documentary, which is wonderful for us. I never saw a full-length interview with Alsi Perry about the experience of being from Newark, New Jersey, and ending up you know, converting to Judaism and playing for Israel all those years. And 40 years later, no matter where he goes in Israel, he's a hero. And you have, uh, you have Jim Boatwright's wife. Uh, he has passed away already. So you have, you have his wife in the film, Mickey Berkovich, who's an Israeli legend. In basketball, you have amazing footage of all these guys, obviously speaking now in terms of a retrospective, but also you have amazing footage of them speaking and playing in that era. It must have been a goldmine for you to have all this film footage available to you. Yeah, that's actually what brought it to life. For me, these guys are my childhood heroes. And I, I just felt like, you know, for me to make a movie and to find all this footage that was never been seen was like to be a kid in a candy store. That's what I love. I, I, I love these guys, and I love to do that. And uh, when I brought it to the American audience, you know, people said, you know, we heard about the miracle on ice. We know everything about it. Yeah. But we did not know that there is even a bigger miracle, and that was the miracle on the hardwood. <laughs> and that's why I felt like you know I want to bring it to the American audience. And 
I was very lucky not only to have the film told from the perspective of the American players that came and helped in making this history. Also, we had Bill Walton and David Stern. I was going to say to you and, that that's, yeah. that's what makes this film. Michael Oren, David Stern, former commissioner of the NBA, Bill Walton, my God. You know, I knew he had some connection with Israeli basketball I've heard over the years. But the man, the man he, he, he's, a, he's a massive fan of Israeli basketball. Yeah, yeah, and 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 a lot of them are really big fan of Tal Brody. Right. They understand, you know, what this guy has made, and I feel like right now, more than anything, people need positive, non-political stories out of Israel. That's why I, I launched now uh, my own The Map Foundation. We're a five hundred one c three, and like we've made this movie really with the help of the community, and we are making another film now about. The life of Olsi Perry, the oh. whole unbelievable roller coaster life of this amazing man that lives now in Israel. But I will not reveal to you too much what he has been going through in order to uh, be, you know, Israeli and Jewish and bring the country to this kind of level. Uh, but that's kind of like our goal is to bring more positive, non-political stories from Israel. Right. And um, to just show a different side of our country can that pe- we love. Can people support the foundation through the Hey Jude website? Yeah, there is a place at heyjudeproductions.com uh, that you can support and donate. We are 501c3. It's all tax deductible. We're happy if people will reach out to us to give producers, associate producer, co-producer, executive producer, credit. Everything is really uh, coming for a good story out of Israel. And we really want to show that we're on the map, like Tal Brody said. And it's oh, yeah. not only uh, like people think uh, or hear in the news, but in many, many aspects. And it's not only basketball. It's in many, many aspects like like movies. You know, and, and, and quality movies and quality of life. So Look, this is what we want to show, uh, but we don't want to bore people. We want to do it in a compelling, entertaining way. Look, we talk about this all the time. Israel is not just on the map now. Israel almost controls the whole map, <laughs> the, the way the way the rest of the world is now, you know, being attracted to Israel and, you know, and, and is begging Israel for its technology and for its advancements, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, for me, it's like even to go to young generation and to teach them about Israel through movies. Right. Like you said, in, on the map incorporates a lot of the history of the country. Yep. And it's fun. You know, people love sport. They love the underdog. It's not only to people that like basketball. And, um, you know, if, uh, uh, thank you so much for uh, <laughs> letting us uh you know, open it up to the community. Oh, I, I am, I am so enthusiastic. I am so enthusiastic about this. You can't imagine. It's a, you know, when, <laughs> people find this hard to believe, but simply one of the most significant events in modern Jewish history. As crazy as that sounds, beating the Soviet Union and winning the European Cup final in 1977. And I thought this would be the Tal Brody story. Nothing against Tal. He is a hero to all of us. Believe you me. Uh, but you, but you added so much with all the play. You know, Olsi Perry, he wanted a, a basketball job. You know, he was cut and he needed a basketball job. He was offered a job in Israel, and I respect that. But, but I didn't realize that so many other players had the same chush, the same desire, the same you know uh, emotional connection like Tal Brody had to go to Israel, and and they felt that there was something special 
uh, that that was going on there. It was not just his story, but so many other players that that felt there was a there was a little bit of a tug bringing them to the Holy Land, and that was really cool. And and that that's one of the things that, as I said, the other personalities that you interview in the film, Ambassador Michael Oren, NBA Commissioner David Stern, Hall of Famer champion Bill Walton. You know, they they captured. I think it's they who said it in the film that there was a higher calling for these players, right? I think it was they who pointed that out. Yeah, absolutely. In many ways, you know, they started it 40 years ago, and we wanted to continue what they have started. I felt like, you know, they had some message to give to the world uh, through sports. And when we joined forces, and I said, we, we, we're really a team, you know. I was very lucky to work with Nancy Spielberg, who's uh, Steven Spielberg's sister, an right. incredible producer, and Ro- with Roberta Grossman, John Weinbach, uh, who's done so many incredible films like Karim Abdul-Jabbar, and he's working on a series about Michael Jordan. And they all said, you know, there is something so special about this film. You know, we have people like basketball legends like Chris Webber, and Jeff and Gandhi that were blown away by seeing this this story. Because what's beautiful about great sports stories is that they are crossing outside of the arena. And for us, that's what this film has made. And that's why, until today, there are our childhood heroes. And you're right, it's not only Tal Brody. It's Mickey, it's Olsi. Yeah. Lou Silver, uh, Shuki, Moti, Lou, Jim, Eric, <laughs> Bob, uh, all of them, and Coach Ralph Klein, what they have done was incredible. And you know what? People don't realize it was not uh, a profession. They yeah. did not make money out of basketball. Right. They really put their heart in it uh, for the love of it and for the love for the country. I, lo- I love how when they traveled in Europe, they went to the local shul and asked people they could put them if they could put them up. Because they couldn't afford hotel rooms, I'll tell you. Imagine today. It is such a Jewish story. It's so amazing. It's such a great story. Hey Jude Productions, like the song Hey Jude. HeyJudeProductions.com gives you all the information about Donnie's films and how you could donate and support them. But it also tells you this story about the film on the map, which is amazing. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m., they're screening it at um, at Benet Jeshrin on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Uh, you've indicated that any a synagogue or JCC or group anywhere in the world that wants to screen it, they can get in touch with you through the website, HeyJudeProductions.com, and you're going to be in Florida next month. You're definitely doing a screening next month, right? Yes, yes. I'm going to be in Florida, the Jewish Film Festival in Miami. We're showing the movie and clips, uh, exclusive clips of Olsi Perry, as this is the film that we want to support because we want to also reach out to the African-American community and right. to show more positive stories of Israel. And, you know, we are happy to come to the community tomorrow, by the way, if they room, Paul Brody and I will be there for Q&A. And we love doing it. We love, Amazing. You know, asking, you know, answering more questions about the behind the scenes of making, for Tal, making the history and for me, making the movie. Look, one of the greatest thrills for me was meeting Tal Brody. He's been an unbelievable ambassador. He's been such an important part of Israeli history. It's just unbelievable. I cannot, you know, he'll be with us Monday. I, I, I'm going to be speaking to him yes. about this movie on Monday, and I'm very yes. much looking forward to it. Donnie, I thank you for this. I, I, you, you, you hear how excited I am about this. It was an amazing. I do. It was an amazing season, an incredible era, and 40 years later, right? 40 years later, 
those guys walk around Israel as as if they just won the championship yesterday, right? Exactly. All you see them, and all you want to do is take a ball and hoop. And, <laughs> and, and I feel like that's what we both want to do now. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. Go to HeyJudeProductions.com. The movie is called On the Map. It is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, everybody. You, it will be just for anybody who has any feeling toward the history of the state of Israel and its uh, humble beginnings, uh, this victory that they um, that they tell over uh, the Soviet Union and then the eventual victory in the European Cup final in 1977 really did put Israel on the map, as Tal Brody explained, and we'll speak to him on Monday. Donnie Menken, Tadaraba, Shabbat Shalom to you, and good luck. We'll remind everybody about the HeyJudeProductions.com. Shabbat Shalom, and thanks for this call. That was my conversation with Donnie Menken. Next up is Rabbi Benji Levy. Rabbi Levy is from uh, Mosaic United, working very hard internationally on college campuses in many different venues to unite the Jewish community and to spur on Jewish identity. Uh, to as many young people as possible. Rabbi Benji Levy, Mosaic United, a recent guest of ours on JM and the AM. Here it is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. 19 minutes before 8 o'clock, there is a uh, an organization, an effort, uh, called Mosaic United. Mosaic United is uh, led by Rabbi Benji Levy, who is the CEO of Mosaic United, and he is visiting us from Israel here in studio this morning on a JM in the AM Thursday. Rabbi Levy, I say welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nachum. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I appreciate that. Originally from Australia, now living where in Israel? I live in Jerusalem, and I actually made Aliyah with my wife and children two months ago. Oh, you're a real newbie to the Holy Land. My God. Fresh off the boat. And, and with all the news that we hear in Israel and with all the suffering that our brothers and sisters go through with episodes like we've been hearing this week and that we are all aching about this week, nonetheless, a couple and family from Australia feels the place to be is Jerusalem and you go ahead and you pick up and you move and you head there. Yes, that's for sure. And I think there's no other place that we could feel as home as Israel. And no more important time than today when we see, unfortunately, you know, whether it was only just over a month ago in the States or whether it was last week, as you discussed in Afra, that um, unfortunately our enemies don't differentiate between us, no matter what our backgrounds are, no matter what our affiliations are. And what we try to do at Mosaic United is to do the same in the positive, not to differentiate, but to provide a beautiful open tent and welcome everyone in and truly make a difference and actualize our dreams in Jewish identity and connections to Israel for the next generation. How long ago was Mosaic United formed? Uh, Mosaic United was formed um, just a few years ago, around three years ago. And it was actually, you know, it's been iterating ever since um, in a traditional Jewish way, as it does. (laughs) It was born as an idea through the Prime Minister's Office of Israel um, with the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs in conjunction with Diaspora Jury looking for how Israel can truly make a meaningful and sustained partnership with the diaspora. And this is because there's been somewhat of a shift over the last, I would say, 10 years. The attitude traditionally has always been in our community, and I mean our community worldwide, that we, outside of Israel, would be there for our brethren in Israel. It now seems there's a shift, and that in Israel, it is both the government and the people who feel they have to be there for their brethren in the diaspora. 
Nachum, I couldn't put it better myself. I think that what Mosaic United really represents is the actualization of that dream, is a, a new era of the Jewish people whereby for over 70 years, you know, it's really people outside of Israel and even obviously for millennia that have sustained the vision and that have been part of the dream to bring the state of Israel about in our modern times. And, you know, when we think about the difficulties that was before that, it's incredible to see that vision come to life. Now, at this point in time, in 2018, economically we're stronger than ever before. Right. Militarily by we, we mean the state of Israel. We, the state of Israel, and the Jewish people by extension. Right. Right. Um, militarily in Israel, also, we are stronger than ever before. In fact, you know, there has been no better time for sovereignty in the land in, in um, decades, in millennia, and therefore it's incredible to see that the Jewish people in Israel are saying one of our greatest existential threats isn't necessarily where we are. It's our brothers and sisters around the world. And if we truly are to be the Jewish state, we need to accept responsibility of the Jewish people around the world. Kol Israel, Arevin Zelazer, we are all mutually responsible for one another. And therefore, in this incredible initiative, it's a statement more than anything else. It's an acceptance of that collective responsibility to say, whether you live in Beersheba or whether you live in the top north of Israel, in the south of Israel, in the east, in the west, in the middle, Every single person that is Jewish there is connected to any Jewish person in any other continent around the world. And through Mosaic United is an incredible statement and you know realization of this dream that we truly care and we want to be part of this partnership in a meaningful way. Rabbi Benji Levy is here, CEO of Mosaic United. So if there's an unaffiliated student, for instance, in Sydney, Australia, using a, uh, an example that would hit home for you, uh, the desire or, or your mission would be to make sure that Israel, and I hope I have this right, that Israel would serve as a magnet to to bring that person closer to their heritage and tradition. Would that be a, a good way of putting it? Look, first of all, you do hit close to home because I was an unaffiliated <laughs> student in Sydney, Australia. Seriously? Once upon a time. Yes, I was. That's funny. Um, and yes. Sometimes God puts the right words in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. And he does it a lot with you, Nachum. <laughs> Thank you. So the idea essentially is that Israel is just one of the ways. But yes, definitely Israel should be well, It's a powerful way. It's such an important way. Look, I it's think such a great tool. If you look at the effective organizations that have used Israel to try to bring people closer, Birthright's a good example, right? Uh, always using Israel to get people closer. I mean, there there are efforts that are made, I think, on a regular basis that that bring the incredible magnetism of Israel to Jews in the diaspora. That's for sure. But I think that... You know, you, you cited Birthright as an example, which right. we're very proud of um, in the state of Israel, the incredible impact that it has. You think about other programs like Massa right. that are also, you know, in partnership with the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs and what happens there. I think one of the unique things here is Birthright and Massa bring people from outside of Israel to Israel. Right. What Mosaic United is open to that 100%, but also is about bringing Israel outside of Israel. And you can probably reach more people that way, frankly. Exactly. Because it's wonderful to bring people to Israel, but it's an effort to bring people to Israel. Here, you're going to them. I assume you're going to college campuses. I assume you're going to communities around the U.S. and other places, right? This is a global effort, correct? That's 100% true. Give me an example of what's happening now in North America. You're here. I assume you're here for the for the mission of Mosaic United. What is this trip like? Where, where have you visited? Who are you speaking to? So in two hours' time, I'll be um, an NYU camp- campus with a group of influencers from Israel to show them what's happening on the front lines of campus. 
and we'll be sitting with a number of students from um, different affiliations, from different places, from diverse streams across the board, and hearing from them what it's like. Yesterday, um, I spent the entire day with a group of students that are from around the world also learning here. The day before, I was at the Hillel Conference in Denver, Colorado, with 1,200 um, of, our, of, of Hillel's educators on the front line and people that are working in that space, and 150 from the Global Initiative um, from the Global Leadership Conference and thinking with them as to how we can truly make a difference. Mosaic United invests on campus specifically through Olami, through Chabad, and through Hillel. And through those initiatives, we're active um, in around 80% of initiatives around the world on campus. A lot Jewish of people life. are familiar with Chabad and Hillel. What's Olami? Explain to our audience. Um, Olami is a consortium of wonderful organizations um, that really focuses on connecting people to Jewish identity. Through that, you may be fili- familiar with Ma'or. You may be sure. Familiar. So um, that's one of the examples. Um, awesome for students. They've got a whole um, suite of amazing opportunities um, for students around the world. All right, so you go to NYU today. How did the students even find out you're going to be there? Like, is there is there an enthusiasm that they're going to come and, and hear about Jewish heritage or hear about the work that's being done? So essentially, you know, we actually want to give them the voice and we want to meet them where they are. And what we are trying to do is really um, invest in what they're doing. What we've seen um, until now is by the end of this year, we'll have invested $100 million um, in students across these different places on 400 campuses around the world. Um, and really it's about us giving those students the voice and an authentic voice to be able to be part of the conversation of the generations um, around Jewish identity and connections to Israel. Part of that, for example, is our startup initiatives on campuses. So we have said in places where there is not yet activity that is Jewish, um, but there is great potential, we would like to partner with these amazing organizations. So just as an example... Oh, I was hoping for one. <laughs> um, yesterday I had an amazing conversation um, with the people that are leading uh, an incredible man called Joel, um, that are leading the Hillel in France, which five weeks ago did not exist. Um, and thanks to our partnership... There was no campus Hillel organization in was, France. There was no campus Hillel organization in France. And there are plenty of Jewish students, I would assume, on campuses in France. There are plenty, plenty students. There are different, beautiful... Um, there's, there's beautiful work that's going there, but not through the Hillel right. initiative to bring that global. And... You know, he was just telling us that these students had no connection to Israel. These students had no opportunity um, to be able to be part of that conversation. And through their works, it's literally one month old. You know, they've already seen 200 students that have connected in a meaningful way. Because if you give them that voice, if you give them, I'm trying to understand this because a little bit of it is abstract, as you can imagine. If you give them that voice, if you go and meet them where they are, as you just described, you assume that they are going to start a process of getting more and more involved, both personally and communally, with the Jewish world. That's exactly true. And we give a um, whole different ex- um, group of options. So there's immersive experiences. Oh, there's follow-up where you expect them to take an active role in this. 100%. So uh, we, we give, give me our, an example of the immersive experience. So immersive experience, for example, we brought over 1,000 students um, through Alamitri Chabad to Poland mm. um, where they can you know, question and um, challenge their Jewish identity, understand what happened there historically and ask themselves where they find themselves in that picture. Another example is we have portal programs whereby they can access um, in their own way through a whole host of experiences, whether it's Shabbat meals, whether it's learning experiences. And we've identified, you know, the opportunity of that as not just being an amorphous, you know, here, there, whatever it is, rather 
10 experiences that are sustained means that a student will be more connected in a sustained way. So our um, structures are based around that. So a student is you know, invited in the first place, but we encourage them to come 10 times through different diverse experiences. And once they've um, met that standard through the individual organization, then they've met that Mosaic United standard. So Does that include the students you're going to meet today? Yes. You're going to recommend immersive experiences for them and, and give them options of what they could pursue? Yes, 100%. And I think that, you know, today more than ever, we need to give options because students come from different places and we know Chanoch Lenard Al Pidarko. We need to educate people according to their way. And people really come from different places today and they need that opportunity. That's just the work on campus that we do. But we really um, employ a continuum strategy across 13 to 35-year-olds. We don't believe that there's one silver bullet that is going to be able to help the Jewish people to continue in that more meaningful way. And therefore, we've identified 10 different areas, 10 different fields, 10 different pillars, whereby um, the Jewish people can connect on that you know, continuum as they move through that Jewish youth from 13 to 35 so that bat mitzvah and bar mitzvah are not an end point but rather a springboard into what they can do in the future. Um, Rabbi Benji Levy is here, CEO of Mosaic United. Website, mosaicunited.org, mosaicunited.org. You know, there are a lot of people uh, um, who need this type of uh, introduction to Judaism who are not on college campuses. There are a lot of people who are just you know, regular people out there, uh, and they and their families. Can you do you at all deal with those who are off of the campuses, with communities that are, you know, not necessarily centered around the college campus? One hundred percent. So um, we have a, a whole suite of different opportunities there. We're looking at high school exchange to Israel. We know that there's only approximately four hundred students. Um, they come on a sustained exchange type program. As like a year to, of their high school year. So it could be a semester, it could right. be a year, as opposed to the shorter term programs. Right. Um, and we're looking at an opportunity to grow that tenfold. And we're speaking to partners, to organizations, to philanthropic partners um, that can see that happen in a meaningful way. We also um, you know, see with teens there's a whole host of different clubs and different organizations that operate after school or for non-day school students. And we're looking at ways to, to really grow that in a meaningful way and work with them. On the flip side, you, know, you see the whole young adult space. Um, and there's so many different amazing organizations that are going on. However, they don't always listen to one another. They don't always work together in consonants. And we're looking for opportunities whereby they can share resources, where they can be part of that same conversation. Because ultimately, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. That's to strengthen Jewish identity in a meaningful way. And we can only do that if we work together. Right. Can one do that without stepping on each other? There are a lot of post um, or I should say after-school programs that take place in, in, in middle schools and high schools uh, in this country. Uh, some great organizations, some wonderful campus organizations, some of which you mentioned, some of which you did not mention, that do great work uh, as we speak. We're familiar with a lot of them. Can, can all of them work together with Mosaic United? I, I think that the answer is most certainly yes. Of course, we have certain standards and benchmarks um, because we believe in people always pushing the bar higher. Um, however, if we can be part of that, you know, we're, we try to be as inclusive as possible um, and we invite people as long as they can meet those standards to be part of this conversation. Who is your biggest funder is it, or, is, or your only funder? Is it the state of Israel? No, the way the, um, the funding works is that the state of Israel didn't want to take a presumptuous approach whereby Israel, so to speak, is telling the diaspora what to do. It's the exact opposite. These are real altruistic dollars, dollars lishma. And therefore, the idea is that the state of Israel gives one-third of the money, 
and the other two-thirds of the money comes from the diaspora so that they can have an authentic partnership but not be over-domineering in that sense. And there are philanthropists, and I'm not saying this to be facetious or disrespectful, but the, when it comes to abstract concepts like this, sometimes it's harder to raise money from you know from those who want to support Jewish causes. Have you found that there are people out there who want this program to move forward? Um, we've actually found more um, now more than ever that there's incredible people that want to see this move forward um, in, in a really sustained and meaningful way. As I mentioned, just for example, you know, when it comes to the campuses, we have um, invested by the end of this year over $100 million. Um, and that's not an insignificant amount in this important space. We know that the campus is the front line of that opportunity for Jewish experiences. If we look at our steering committee alone, um, we've got Gary Turgo, who's our sure. chairman, um, and he's, you know, incredible in that way. We've got Eduardo Elstein. We've got David Shapira. We've got Karen Davidson. We've got Dr. Larry Platt. We've got Edward Mizrahi. We've got Jeremy Dunkel, you see, from Australia. Oh, you have you have people who are affiliated with other organizations that are doing great work as well. Exactly. And, and as you can see, there's people across the spectrum. Sure. There's people across the world. You've got South America. You've got England. You've got Australia. You've got North America. And you're able to coordinate all of this. I think they coordinate us. <laughs> um, and I think well, that, you were introduced as the as the head of all this, as the CEO. <laughs> yes, but I'm just a, a shaliach. I'm just a representative of all. What's of your next stop? Are you uh, heading at all in the in the near future to places like Europe and uh, and other areas of the world to do this? Um, definitely, already on the campus. Um, you know, in the campuses, we're active in Europe um, and all over the world. I think our next. No, I mean, stop, you personally. I mean, you said you were at Hillel in Denver. So, someone like yourself now. Will you be paying visits to other parts of the globe to see how things are going there? Most certainly. I think that, you know, sometimes over here we forget that 40% of Jewry um, that is outside of Israel are outside of North America as well. And it's important to be part of that conversation. I really think it strengthens it. Two weeks ago I was in Poland um, and, you know, it was amazing to connect to the Jews over there. And we're looking for a way for them to unite across the board. I think the next step for us, um, which we're looking at, which is very interesting, is a Jewish peace corps for the world. We're looking at an opportunity to say, you know, as we said at the beginning of the show, our fate unites us very much from the outside. But that's our goral. That's our fate. What about our destiny? What about our yud? What's something that we can unite around in a meaningful way? And you alluded to Israel, which is an incredible example. Of course, our people. Of course, our Torah. But what's in a mission that the more unaffiliated slash underaffiliated Jews can unite around? And we see that 72% of those that are engaging in Jewish service and volunteer, sorry, in service work and volunteering, um, are doing it outside of a Jewish framework. Right. And therefore we're saying it's coming from a very Jewish source. These are real Jewish values, but how can we really put them in a more Jewish framework that they can learn from and give in that way? You, th- you see there's a real you know, obsession and a lot of discussion around this concept of tikkun olam. Right. Um, and some people say, you know, this tikkun olam is, is lacking tochen. It's become just a slogan in many ways, um, and it's not necessarily connected with the roots um, of the meaning of the word, um, and therefore avoiding that. Our approach is different. We acknowledge the fact that some people have more depth and some people have less depth, um, but that doesn't mean that everyone can't have more depth. We can all grow one step closer. And we're recognizing that um, you know, the millennial generation and, even, and Generation Z in many senses of the word are connecting in that way. And therefore, we want to help them continue to connect in that way and just deepen that attachment through a Jewish lens. Phenomenal. You're doing great work, to say the least. Information about all of this, mosaicunited.org. Mosaicunited.org. The CEO of Mosaic United is Ray Benji Levy. Anything else you'd like to add, sir? 
I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity and we can't wait to launch more pillars to see more Jews around the world connecting to their heritage and connecting to their future. And you know our recommendation. Every one of these students and people who are trying to connect to Judaism, let them know about JM and the AM and the Nahum Single Network. It can only enhance their Jewish life, I hope. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you very Appreciate much. The time. That was my conversation with Rabbi Benji Levy, and that wraps up this edition of JM Rewind. I thank you all for tuning in. Plenty of great programming all the time. Support us by going to fjbunity.org. FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Support us and make sure to keep us going into 2019. Thanks for tuning in. Plenty more coming up next week on another edition of JM Rewind. Keep it right here for great programming at the Nahum Siegel Network.